Welcome to Stop Christian Nationalism, a podcast that stands against Christian nationalism. It's December 25th today, and so I thought I would start this episode with a holiday greeting from Donald Trump. Most importantly, I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. You remember when I started, I said, we're going to bring back Christmas. People said, sir, uh, it would be preferable if you didn't say Merry Christmas. I said, like hell, we're going to bring it back. And we brought it back. Actually, this recording of Donald Trump is from December 13th at a campaign rally in Coralville, Iowa. It's not from today, December 25th. So he was wishing his followers Merry Christmas 12 days before the Western Christian observance of Christmas. Well, that inaccuracy isn't really the point. Christmas has become over a month-long holiday in the United States, during which Christmas displays are all over the place. They're everywhere, even before Thanksgiving is over. Christmas music is playing everywhere, and Christmas specials are spread like glitter, all over television stations and streaming services online. Ironically, part of these festivities is the annual Christian nationalist complaint that no one is allowed to celebrate Christmas anymore. And I say that's ironic, and I mean ironic, because Christian nationalists making that complaint has become an actual part of their celebration of Christmas. It isn't Christmas for Christian nationalists, if they aren't complaining that other people are not celebrating Christmas enough and pretending that no one can celebrate Christmas when everybody is seeing Christmas all over the place. It's kind of silly for Donald Trump to claim to have defended Christmas as if it needs defending. Christmas is so prevalent in the United States, it's impossible for anyone to avoid it. Christmas never went anywhere, and Donald Trump did not bring it back. Donald Trump has merely added his bullying voice to the mythology of the war on Christmas. Of course, it isn't really Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and candy canes that Christian nationalists are worried about. And that's not what Donald Trump was talking about in that speech, either. When Donald Trump and his Christian nationalist followers talk about Christmas, what they're really talking about is Christianity. In their view, Christmas has to be an act of religious Christian worship, or it is an evil abomination. Never mind that many of the most familiar Christmas songs were written by Jews— What the Christian nationalists want is to take over Christmas, to purge it of its secular aspects, and then force everyone across America to celebrate Christmas as a celebration only of the sacred promise from their New Testament 2,000 years ago that Jesus is going to be back any minute now. Any minute now. It wasn't a coincidence that Donald Trump used almost identical language from his complaint about Christmas in another complaint in the same speech, that in America no one is allowed to use the word God. 
They are vicious, vicious people that I believe hate our country. You must never forget, this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. This is your home, this is your heritage, and your American liberty is your God-given right. You're not allowed to use the word God anymore. Did you see that one? They don't want you to use the name. They don't want you to say God anymore. Here's a little reality check. If no one is allowed to use the word God anymore, how come Donald Trump just said it three times in about 30 seconds in that speech? Of course Americans are allowed to use the word God. Those Americans who happen to believe in gods can talk about the gods that they believe in as much as they like, on their own private time. What Donald Trump and his Christian nationalist followers object to is that the Constitution of the United States forbids government establishment of religion. When the Constitution was being written, there were a few delegates, just a few, to the Constitutional Congress who brought up the idea that the United States should be a Christian nation. But when their proposal was brought to a vote, it was soundly rejected. The thing about American liberty is that it was not given to us by any god. It is a historical fact that liberty in the United States was created by and is maintained by people. People. That's why the Constitution begins with the words, we the people, not he the God, or even we the Christians. The United States was founded as a secular nation that keeps government and religion separate, thereby ensuring freedom of religion for all Americans. Donald Trump and his Christian nationalist followers want to change that. They want to end freedom of religion in the United States. They want to end democracy and replace it with an authoritarian Christian theocracy in which federal government priests are given the power to force children to learn Christianity in public schools, to force citizens to engage in Christian religious rituals in government meetings, and to force all Americans to obey ancient Christian religious laws. The Christian theocracy planned by Christian nationalists would not be a kind and loving place. It would be a nation in which everyone who is not a Christian, and that is currently about 40% of the population, would be persecuted by the Christian majority. That's why Donald Trump used fascist language when he began to talk about the Christian nationalist God. They are vicious, vicious people that I believe hate our country, Trump said. You must never forget that this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you, Trump said. For Donald Trump and his followers, Christianity and fascist nationalism go hand in hand. They believe that non-Christians do not belong in America, that only Christianity can be allowed and that America only belongs to Christians. They say it's their country. It doesn't belong to us. 
even though we are Americans. Where will the over 100 million non-Christian Americans go if the Christian nationalists take over in 2024? Remember, Donald Trump has promised to create massive prison camps for the people who refuse to follow his vision, the people he calls vermin. He promises to root us out. In the ideology of Christian nationalism, non-Christians do not deserve to have a free country. None of us do, because we are all vermin. To the God of the Christian Bible, we are wretches who are born wicked. And in this religious point of view, people are not capable of making good decisions for themselves. So, Christian nationalists believe that they need to submit themselves to a strongman God, and to be led by a strongman political leader, a dictator. They don't believe that people should have the freedom to think things through for themselves. Their religious leaders teach them from the time they are children that they need to surrender authority to their God and to their political leaders who will tell them what is right and what is wrong. The job of the Christian nationalist is simply to obey what they are told to do. And this is why Christian nationalism is a fascist movement. Its authoritarianism comes straight from Christian teachings that demand people follow their proper leader, their religious leaders. And the promised reward for this obedience is power, but only for the leaders. Donald Trump made exactly this point in that speech in Coralville, Iowa. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. We will make America great again. We will love our country. We will take care of our country. We will pray to God for strength and for liberty. We will pray for God and we will be with God. One people, one nation, one God. This is an old fascist motto with a dark undercurrent. The one nation, of course, is the United States of America, and that sounds okay, right? But this USA that Trump is talking about is not the America that upholds freedom and celebrates the diversity of choices that people are free to make. When Christian nationalists say that America is one nation, they mean that there is only one way to be part of the nation, only one way to be an American. And that one God that Trump mentions is, of course, the Christian God, even though there are many other gods to choose from. No, says Donald Trump. Those other gods are not available. There's just one God, just one way to be a Christian. And because 
under this fascist vision of Donald Trump and the Christian nationalists, because there is only one God and one American nation in this Christian nationalist vision, if you don't worship that Christian God, the Christian nationalists believe that you are not an American. The one people in this speech are, of course, the white Christian nationalists. Because according to Christian nationalists, if you're not born in the United States, and if you're not white, you're not an American. Even if you're a citizen, you're not an American if you don't fall into those groups. Donald Trump has said it. He is going to root out the vermin and put them in concentration camps and then impose the largest mass deportation in human history. Everyone but white Christians will go. And does anybody really believe that prison camps and deportation are where this vision ends? We have seen this script get played out before. We know where it goes. It ends in death. One year ago, Donald Trump had Nick Fuentes as a dinner guest at his Florida mansion. After that meeting... Trump declared that Fuentes was a great guy and had a lot of great ideas. And this month, this is what Nick Fuentes had to say about where the Christian nationalist movement is going. There is an occult element at the high levels of society, and specifically among the Jews. So many of the people that are perpetrating the lies and the destruction on the country... They are evildoers. They are people that worship false gods. They are people that practice magic or rituals or whatever. And more than anything, those people need to be, when we take power, they need to be given the death penalty. Straight up. And I'm far more concerned about that than I am about even non-white people or mass migration these people that are that are communing with demons and engaging in this sort of witchcraft and stuff, and these people that are suppressing the name Christ and suppressing Christianity, they must be absolutely annihilated when we take power. This is God's country. This is Jesus' country. This is not the domain of atheists or devil worshippers or perfidious Jews. This is Christ's country. This is what Christian nationalism is about. It's about the death penalty for being non-Christian. It's about killing people. You know, it's easy to hear the news of Donald Trump making violent and cruel threats and to think he's just making an offhand comment here and there. But the thing is that Donald Trump says these things over and over again. They are not random misstatements. What's more, it isn't just Donald Trump making these remarks. Donald Trump isn't just a lone crackpot threatening to end American democracy and impose an authoritarian dictatorship under the name of Jesus. Donald Trump is the leader of a massive movement of Christian nationalists, consisting of people like Nick Fuentes. And they are saying the same kind of things that Donald Trump is saying. They are threatening to kill Americans because they are not Christians. 
it's not just Donald Trump that we have to worry about. We also have to worry about the huge number of Americans who support the violence of Donald Trump and support Donald Trump's plan to end American democracy. After Donald Trump promised to exterminate his political opponents like vermin, his support in the polls did not decrease. To the contrary, when Donald Trump pledged to engage in violence against his enemies, the number of Iowa Republicans who said that they planned to vote for him increased. Christian nationalists are not holding their noses to vote for Donald Trump. Christian nationalists are enthusiastic supporters of Donald Trump. Christian nationalists support Donald Trump not in spite of calls to end American democracy, but because Trump wants to end democracy. In Donald Trump, Christian nationalists see someone who will finally give them power to impose their religion on everybody else. These threats are not idle. Sitting in the audience at that Trump rally in Coralville, Iowa, was a man dressed in a bright yellow sweatshirt with the Punisher logo on it. That's an elongated skull with the American flag superimposed on it. And around that logo were the words, and excuse my language here, but I have to give you the actual language. Quote, fuck around and find out, unquote. Okay, I don't like to use language like this on this podcast because I want this podcast to be available to people of all ages. But the thing is, these are extraordinary circumstances. People of all ages need to understand that people close to Donald Trump are using this logo and using that language, and they are embracing what it means. What does that logo mean? What does that motto mean? The Punisher logo is originally from a series of comic books, which tells you about how sophisticated Donald Trump supporters are. Originally, this series of comic books was featuring a violent vigilante called the Punisher, right? And the creator of the Punisher comic books actually meant for that character to be a warning against right-wing violence and fascism. But then right-wing fascists in the United States, they didn't understand that as a bad thing. And they looked at the Punisher as a hero. And now, since Donald Trump has come to power, they have adopted the Punisher logo as a symbol of violent right-wing white supremacism, which they celebrate. The Punisher logo has become a signal shared by people who have joined or support Christian nationalist paramilitary organizations preparing for violent combat. And some of those organizations were present at the January 6th insurrection that attempted to murder the vice president of the United States and take members of the U.S. Congress hostage. They planned to end democracy in the United States using physical violence, and to replace it with a Christian nationalist theocratic dictatorship of Donald Trump. 
When they reached the floor of Congress, they celebrated their violence with a prayer to the Christian God. It's not just Donald Trump saying crazy things every now and then. And when Donald Trump says these crazy things, it's not a joke. It's an organized movement of people saying things like this, doing things like this, organizing for violence. This movement aims to end freedom in America and to do it in the name of Jesus. Trump is saying it. Nick Fuentes is saying it. People in the audience are cheering for it. They're getting the message that a vote for a Republican is a vote for Christian power over everybody else, and they love it. Consider the enthusiasm of a woman who was in the audience to listen to Trump's speech in Coralville, Iowa, and was interviewed by a correspondent from the Right Side Broadcasting Network. All the elites, they do not care about us little people. And President Trump really does. He really cares. He's working for God. And speaking of God, I like your shirt. It says, normal is not coming back. Jesus is. And you're absolutely right with a cross around your neck. I love it. The t-shirt that this correspondent describes had a Christian crucifix implanted in American flag where the stars are supposed to go. A crucifix in the place of the state governments across the USA. You couldn't get a more potent symbol of Christian nationalism than that. And in case you didn't get the message, this audience member wore a crucifix around her neck as well. Jesus is coming back, the two of them agreed. And what does that have to do with Donald Trump running for president of the United States? Well, in order to understand what the return of Jesus has in common with Donald Trump's political campaign, consider the story that the Christian New Testament tells about what will happen once Jesus rises from the dead and comes back to earth. This part of the Christian story may not come back to your memory right away. It's the end of the story of Christmas, but it's the part that they usually don't include in the Christmas specials because, well, it's not exactly family-friendly. It's the part that goes with the Christmas carol lyric, quote, Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray, unquote. Saving us from Satan's power means this. Christian nationalists believe that the little boy who was born in a manger thousands of years ago is going to come back from the dead any time now to begin a religious war of Christians against everybody else, in which the followers of Jesus will try to kill everyone who is not a Christian, and then Jesus will engage in retribution against all non-Christians by stuffing them into a gigantic wine press and squeezing their bodies until they die, and their bodies leak so much blood onto the landscape that the blood will be six feet deep for something like a hundred square kilometers. I know that sounds outlandish. 
but this part of the Christmas story comes straight from the Christian Bible. It's in there. I'm not making it up. The wine press, the blood, and everything. This comes from the book of Revelation, which talks about how much Jesus hates people who disagree with him and promises violent divine retribution against non-Christians. Christian nationalists believe that that will be a good thing that will come after Jesus returns. When they wear t-shirts talking about the return of Jesus with an American flag, when they wear that at a Trump rally, promising that there will never be a return to normal, this bloody religious war is what they're talking about. It's what they are looking forward to. It's why Donald Trump rises in the polls every time he talks about violence and revenge in the name of God. Christian nationalists believe that violence and revenge, retribution in the name of God, is their birthright, and they're hungry for it. Now, to be fair, this quest for religious violence is not heresy. It's not against the teachings of the Bible. It is not fake Christianity. It comes straight from the Bible. It comes from the New Testament. It is just a part of Christianity that some Christians, the kind who are not Christian nationalists, don't feel comfortable talking about. They avoid thinking about this part of their religion. In their holy book, these fantasies, of genocidal Christian violence have always been there, though, from the first days of Christianity, not just in the writings of the New Testament. It was there when the Christians used the Roman Empire. They controlled the Roman Empire eventually. Remember that? They used the Roman Empire to spread their religion at the tip of a sword, killing those people who refused to convert. It was there when European Christians massacred their way to Jerusalem in several crusades. It was there when the Puritans in Salem, Massachusetts, killed their neighbors upon suspicion of witchcraft. And the founders of the United States of America wrote the Constitution in reaction against this Christian nationalism. Donald Trump and his Christian nationalist movement are just the latest iteration of this long tradition of religious brutality. Before Donald Trump got the chance to speak at that rally in Coralville, Iowa, he invited a Christian pastor to warm up the audience for him with a speech full of Christian nationalist venom. Now, at present, uh, we are not certain who exactly this pro-Trump Iowa pastor was. He's on video, and his speech was captured and shared online by the Right Side Broadcasting Network. But the introduction of him by name took place during a commercial break. I am going to keep researching to track down information about who that pastor was, but for now, we're going to have to just refer to him generically as a young Christian pastor from somewhere in Iowa who was specifically invited by the Trump campaign to give a pro-Trump religious speech 
at that Coralville, Iowa rally this month. This preacher began with a declaration that democracy has no power in America, has no right to power. In fact, the preacher declared that American democracy is inherently corrupt because it does not yield to Christian power. The corruption in Washington is a natural reflection of the spiritual state of our nation. In order to make America great again, I believe we must do two things. We must become godly again, submitting Submitting ourselves to the scepter of the Most High King, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we must re-elect President Trump for the third time. The scepter, of course, is the symbol of monarchy. So when this... Iowa preacher demands that America submit to the scepter of Jesus, he is demanding a rejection of the revolution of 1776 and a return to totalitarian rule. But this time under Donald Trump, instead of under the monarchs of the British Empire. The preacher then went on to say that demons and other supernatural evil creatures... Spirit beings have possessed the bodies of Democrats and non-Christians across America. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12 states, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present age. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We must not lose sight that this election is part of a spiritual battle. There are demonic forces at play. But I want to remind those who have fallen prey to the leadership of such demons, have fallen prey to the diabolic forces, and have become pawns to their schemes. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 4. This is the warning. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves, and judgment is coming. Amen. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants against 
the wrath of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And when Donald Trump, Trump becomes the 47th president of the United States, there will be retribution against all those who have promoted evil in this country. There is a whole lot of old-fashioned Bible talk in this speech, so I'm going to break that down to make it clear. The passage from Ephesians that the pastor used is commonly employed by Christian nationalists to argue that anyone who opposes Donald Trump has been possessed by a literal demon from hell. The phrase that they use in another translation of the Bible is powers and principalities. Here, this preacher was referring to cosmic forces, spiritual beings. Christian nationalists believe that those of us who oppose Donald Trump are not human anymore, that we have become servants of actual demons. They're not speaking metaphorically. The passage from Romans then insists that human governments are not actually controlled by human beings, but are the puppets of supernatural spirit gods. These are both New Testament passages, by the way, straight from purely Christian texts. They are advocating for brutal, violent suppression of dissent on the basis of the Christian belief that religious diversity and political disagreement are unacceptable because they are the manifestation of the evil, magical power of demons. It's monotheism gone insane. It is understandable that someone in the latter days of the Roman Empire under Christian rule might actually believe in this kind of mythology of evil spirits possessing people, but the scientific research of recent centuries has taught us to think of politics in terms of human psychology, sociology, culture, and economy, rather than the playing ground of magical creatures. Christian nationalism, however, seeks to throw away all the scientific and sociological advances of the last 250 years. They want to return us to the superstitions and bloody way of life of the Christian Roman Empire. The pro-Trump pastor at this Coralville, Iowa rally was spelling out in biblical language what the consequences will be for non-Christians and political dissidents in America if Donald Trump wins the 2024 election. American democracy will be sacrificed for a Christian theocracy, and all those who refuse to convert to Christianity and obey Donald Trump, will be put to the sword. No rebellion against the authority of Donald Trump will be allowed, and the will of Donald Trump will be viewed as equivalent to the will of the Christian God. That's what Christian nationalists believe, that Donald Trump is speaking for God. Worship at the altar of Donald Trump will be mandatory, with violent retribution as the punishment for those who refuse to go along 
with this Christian nationalist agenda. Now, you might dismiss these kinds of statements made by this pastor as just the sort of outlandish things that Christian preachers are in the habit of saying. There is good reason, however, to believe that this kind of message of violent, vengeful, religious punishment by a Christian nationalist government in the United States comes straight from the campaign of Donald Trump for president itself. Not from the preachers, but from the Trump campaign. On December 13th, the very same day that Donald Trump and this pastor met each other and talked and spoke to an audience together in Coralville, Iowa, the Trump for President campaign shared the following statement from another Christian preacher in Iowa. Quote, Pastor Eric Holdeman of Spirit Life Fellowship Church in Dickinson County, Iowa, stated, quote, After assessing the presidential candidates, it is clear that President Trump has consistently fulfilled his promises to the people of faith in America. He has a proven track record of defending family values, promoting religious freedom, and championing uh, championing, excuse me, moral clarity and biblical authority. Now more than ever, President Trump is the indispensable leader that Christians and all people of faith truly need. Unquote. Just one week later, on December 21st, just a few days ago, the Trump for President campaign shared an extremely similar statement from yet another Christian preacher in Iowa. And that statement said this, quote, Pastor Jameson Plank from Henry County, Iowa, stated, quote, President Trump is the clear choice for people of faith in America. Unlike other politicians, when President Trump promises he will do something, he keeps his promises. President Trump has an unmatched record of defending family values, promoting religious freedom, and championing, championing, again, I'm getting it wrong, uh, championing moral clarity and biblical authority. I want you to compare the language in these two statements. Both have this identical phrase, quote, record of defending family values, promoting religious freedom, and championing moral clarity and biblical authority. That is word for word, the same very long phrase in both letters. Let me read that again. Quote, record of defending family values, promoting religious freedom, and championing moral clarity and biblical authority. Biblical authority. Both statements place this phrase immediately after a sentence declaring that Donald Trump keeps his sentences. Any writer, any editor knows that these similarities are absolutely too strong to be mere coincidence. It is obvious that these statements were not written by these pastors. 
Someone told these preachers what to say. Or, more likely, someone working with the Trump for President campaign wrote a statement for these preachers and then adjusted the statements afterwards to try to make it appear as if the preachers had come up with the words themselves. And the preachers may have agreed to this. But these are not the original words that were written by the preachers. These words came from the Trump for President campaign. These two preachers were not just independently praising and supporting Donald Trump's presidential campaign. They signed up as members of what the Donald Trump for President campaign is calling. And remember this name, the Iowa Faith Leader Coalition. Have you not heard of this group before? Well, there's a reason for that. The Iowa Faith Leader Coalition is not a pre-existing group that existed before this year. The Iowa Faith Leader Coalition appears to be an organization that may have been created whole cloth by the Trump for President in 2024 campaign. What these statements have in common is a focus on biblical authority. And remember what that pastor said about authority. Authority comes from God, not from the people. But in the United States of America, democracy is all about we the people. That we have the right to determine what our own government will do. This phrase, biblical authority, says something different. It says that the Bible has the power, not the people. What the, the phrase biblical authority means, this should chill the heart of any American. Because both these statements from Donald Trump's Iowa Faith Leader Coalition argue that Christian churches should have a power that is superior to American law, including the Constitution. They aim to make American law subservient to the Christian Bible. And what that means, of course, is the demands and the power of Christian preachers. As of a few days ago, 302 Christian preachers from Iowa have joined this supposed coalition, the Iowa Faith Leader Coalition, this organization that did not exist before this autumn. This amount doubled within just a couple of weeks. By the time of the Iowa caucuses, that number might double again. It is against the law for preachers at Christian churches that have tax-exempt status to campaign in favor of any political candidate at any level, local, state, or national. And let's be clear about this. The reason for that is that these churches and these preachers, by extension, they have tax-exempt status. They don't pay taxes on their income. They don't pay taxes on their income like you do. They get the privilege of working, of operating in the United States without paying any taxes on the presumption that they are doing socially positive work to help their communities. 
This is not a special restriction that applies only to churches or other religious organizations, by the way. It's not. It applies to all nonprofit organizations that claim tax-exempt status, including non-religious ones. There is no discrimination against religious groups in this law. There just isn't. The law is very simple for religious groups and non-religious groups alike. Any organization that is non-profit can claim tax-exempt status so long as it does not engage in political campaign activities for any candidate or political party. A church is perfectly free to campaign for political candidates or a political party so long as it does not claim tax-exempt status. This law exists for a really good reason. It exists to prevent politicians from evading campaign finance laws that are designed to prevent bribery and other forms of corruption. Well, think about it. Think about how this would work. If we had nonprofit organizations that did not report their financial transactions or pay taxes, they could become money laundering channels for bribery or other corrupt political influence schemes. Organized crime groups could use churches or other nonprofit groups to gain control of the government. Or there could be efforts to make church networks into instruments of violence and terror, which is exactly what Christian nationalists in America are trying to do right now. And these 302 Christian preachers from Christian churches with non-profit tax-exempt status, not paying their taxes, are engaged in this kind of activity. The Christian nationalists are showing us, and they are telling us what they plan to do. They are coming right out and saying that they want to rule through fear and retribution. They are telling us that if Donald Trump is elected in 2024, people who refuse to obey their churches and their religion are going to be targeted for punishment. Right now, there is a network of at least 300 churches in Iowa alone that is working to make this destruction of American democracy take place. They're working to make it real. This is not abstract. Now, I want you to imagine that network that we know of in Iowa with over 300 churches. Imagine that at a national scale. Iowa is a relatively small state in terms of population. So in larger states like California or Texas, the equivalent would be thousands of churches in those states alone. So across the country, there might be 10 or 20,000 churches or more organized under the Trump campaign, converted into tools for his political power in a plot against American democracy. 
Because these churches operate outside of both campaign finance regulation and tax regulation, we have no way of knowing the extent to which this network of churches converted into tools of the Trump political machine have already been developed. What we do have is a list of church pastors in Iowa that has been released by the Trump campaign itself, and the extent of that network is vast. This network calls for more investigation. We need to look into what's going on in this network, and not just what's happening in Iowa, but what is happening around the country. So far, however, almost no journalistic investigation of the Iowa Faith Leader Coalition has taken place. There is one short article by Raw Story, and that's it. Nothing from the Washington Post, nothing from the New York Times. Why is this happening? Well, journalistic organizations are ignoring this story because they don't have many journalists working for them anymore. The spread of online platforms has decimated journalistic organizations around the country, leaving us dangerously uninformed just as our democracy comes under unprecedented threat. Listen, you know what this means, don't you? It means that it is up to us, to you as well as me, to do the work that professional journalists would have done in the past, back when there were local and state papers that had enough staff to actually cover a story like this. They're not going to do it. So we have to do it. We have to investigate who these people are. And we're going to be working on that here at Stop Christian Nationalism. So expect to hear more from this podcast about the Iowa Faith Leader Coalition in the weeks to come. I want to issue this clear statement, this warning. This is not a fire drill. Christian nationalist fascists are organizing right now to take apart American democracy. Churches across America are joining in this conspiracy. And they will succeed or they will fail within the next 11 months. There is no more time to wait to take action. We need all hands on deck right now, and it is time to get active. We cannot wait for someone else to do the job. Stop Christian nationalism. We'll be back with more information in a new episode soon, very soon. Until then, thank you. Thank you for listening.